0: With Capella University's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
1: When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we
0: even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Today on The James Altucher Show. Badass habits. It's the only intro Jensen Sincero needs. Here we go. Let's do it. So... Jen Sincero, author of You Are a Badass. The whole badass thing became a
1: brand. Now you just came out with the book Badass Habits. How's it going? It's going great, remarkably so, since we're all still spinning around in this strange universe. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a strange universe. And do you find that what are
0: the difficulties people have had? coming out of the pandemic? Are they they still as much of a badass? Are they more of a badass? Is it harder to be a badass?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where does the badass scale leave them? Yes. First of all, I'm having trouble being a badass, to be perfectly honest. like To write a motivational book in the height of the pandemic when I could barely lift my arms or get out of my pajamas was very interesting. And um, I think it really led to the book being a lot more interesting and it let me get in on a bunch of different angles than I ever would have so I'm I'm pretty grateful about that and so I I feel like personally it's definitely affected me and I feel like people are definitely out there struggling with with new challenges and overwhelm and confusion and you know just sort of I don't know about you but my brain is not always available for work.
0: Yeah, no, I I can't wait to Dive into this badass habits book because a lot of the bad habits you mentioned, yeah. I feel like I've been developing. Yeah. And I didn't have them before the pandemic. Mm. And so, so, you know, we see all these strange things happening in the world right now. Like people aren't going to work anymore. Like everybody's yeah. having problems finding employees. There's all this supply chain stuff. There's there's yep. wave five, six, seven of of COVID there's so much uncertainty that must drive people in- insane. I find that it's, it's harder to have a positive attitude. Mm. And I'm curious about this. Do you yeah. think you can talk yourself into a positive attitude? Like, let's say you, you suddenly realize, oh gosh, I used to always be optimistic and now I mm. think, oh, if I try something, it's not going to turn out well. I have this negative attitude. Mm. But am I just bullshitting myself if I try to develop the habit of a positive attitude?
1: Listen, I do not subscribe to the belief that we all have to be all Pollyanna all the time and think positive thoughts. Like that is that is something that drives me nuts and I think a lot of people think self-help is idiotic because of that, you know. We're humans. We have emotions. If you suppress them, you're going to grow a tumor, right? So you got to feel everything. But to your point, I actually do think that there is a way to to spin this, right? We are humans. We can spin anything. And I think this uncertainty that you mentioned, that really it's so, like the rug has been ripped out from under all of us. I think it is such an opportunity to wake up to the reality, we're on a ball in infinite space. There is no certainty anyway. So what does that mean? It means that it's always been there and now it's just more in our faces. So I feel like it's an opportunity to stop playing it safe, first of all, right, like We stay in jobs we hate because there's quote-unquote security. We stay in relationships because we're afraid we can't find a better person if we're not happy with that person. We stay with the friends that we've got because we're afraid if we don't stick with them and they're not serving us that we can't find better ones. There's no certainty in any of that anyway, does that make sense? So I feel like yeah. so I feel like this is really an opportunity for us to stop kidding ourselves and to really face uncertainty and be like, "All right, holy crap, I am on a ball in infinite space. Uncertainty is all over the place. So I'm just going to really tap into what I what brings me joy and what feels right and do it anyway in spite of these gigantic fears that are, you know, sitting on my neck right now."
0: And and I think I think the more uncertainty there is, the more people want to control because yes. to have some sense of that they know where they're going that they're that, that everything's going to be fine right. and and I feel like that I like I was cruising along well in the first half <laughs> of covid and then yeah. suddenly it was like you know what I haven't had a good win in a while um. I want a win <laughs> Yeah, and and, and and you know you mentioned on your you have so so you define what habits are. You have lots of great stories in all your books. There's always such amazing stories, and you have these 21 days for building badass habits. Yeah, and one of those uh, 21 days involves surrender, and mm-hmm. I and I feel like this is a habit I've sort of or a process I've sort of uh, lost a little bit.
1: Interesting. And
0: I used to have a really great. I'll call it a habit. I don't know if it's part of the process or a habit itself, but I, whenever things were difficult, I always was really good at surrendering, just trusting the force or whatever. And lately it's been a little, a little more challenging. So, so let's talk about it. Like, first off, what define habit?
1: A habit is something that you do on autopilot. Your brain just puts certain things on autopilot and you don't have to think about them anymore. That's a habit.
0: So like a good habit might be every morning, uh, you wake up and you brush your teeth. Or every right. morning you wake up and you look forward to the day. Right. A bad habit might be you wake up and you think about that person who wronged you six months ago and you really want to write that email to that person six months later. And the habit of thinking that way the first moment you wake up is a bad habit. Correct. <laughs> and, along with, you know, all the usual things like yeah. eating and, and yeah. whatever. Right. So so okay, what's a time when you've wanted to change a bad habit?
1: Mm. I think, I talk about this in the book because it was such an epic one for me, but quitting smoking was huge because I love, I still love smoking. I'm actually going to start again when I'm 85. I can't wait. It's totally giving me a reason to stay healthy. Well, but wait, what if,
0: what if they expand lifespan so that you're going to live to 150?
1: All right, then I'll just, you know, I'll course correct. But right now it's 85. All right, all right. Fair enough. So that was a habit that I, it seemed insurmountable to me and that really schooled me on how we can change something that seems almost impossible. I did a lot of different things like, you know, I talk about in the book how really it's so dumbed down. One of the best ways to, to anchor in a new habit and or get rid of a bad habit is ease. So if you just make it easy for yourself or difficult for yourself if you're trying to quit something, that is incredibly productive. So, you know, throwing away the cigarettes, not going to bars, not hanging out with other people who smoke, you know, stupid stuff like that really makes a difference if you take the time to really get clear on the specifics of it. But for me, the thing that really did more than anything was the identity piece. So when you're changing a habit, identifying as the kind of person who already embodies the new habit is critical. So for example, I started identifying as somebody who was really healthy, who had pink, healthy lungs, who took great care of her body, I did not identify as somebody who was trying to quit smoking or who was an ex-smoker. So what this did was it knocked out the negotiation process. So for example, I don't wake up in the morning and negotiate about the you know whether or not I'm gonna drink a bottle of vodka because I don't identify as somebody who drinks a bottle of vodka every morning for breakfast. So when you shift your identity you don't enter into the negotiation process of oh i just I'll just have one drag or it's not going to kill me just to have one cigarette with this with this cocktail i'm having you don't even enter into the negotiations because you've removed yourself from that identity
0: so is that again like are you trying to convince yourself of something you're not because maybe you are the like little, you know, I'm not the type of person to run a marathon, so uh-huh. it's hard for me to identify as that type of person, and, and my brain will call bullshit on me.
1: Ah, yes, that's an ex. I, I love talking to you. You always you always nail me to the wall in these things. Um, yeah. So there's this fake it until you make it kind of thing, right? So you may not be up to speed in the day to day. Your habits may not may not be up to speed. Your identity may not be up to speed but it's creating a new groove in your head. So you know that expression, we get caught in ruts, right? Our beliefs create almost ruts in our neuropathways. Um, And identity can be one of those ruts where I'm an ex-smoker, it's so hard to quit smoking, I love cigarettes, I can't have a cocktail without a smoke, all that stuff, right? That's in my very, very, very deep rut of my identity. When you shift your identity, the new groove is way shallower. So you just have to keep instilling it. You have to surround your you have to create an environment that supports that. You have to create thoughts, you have to watch your words. At first, it is kind of bullshit, but you but your desire and your intention can override the bullshit meter.
0: yeah, I do believe that. Like I remember uh, identity is this amorphous thing. Like there's no mm-hmm. real when you're with one person, you have one identity. When you're at your work, you have another identity. There's no real one identity that we have. Right. And I I remember um, 30 years ago or more, 35 years ago, I was switching uh, majors in college from like anthropology to computer science. And I came home for a vacation and suddenly I was fixing the VCR. Like, so, you know, that's an ancient term for- uh,
1: (laughs) For you youngsters out there. Yeah.
0: So. So, so suddenly I thought my, my, I did identify as someone who fixes things, which I never did before. Cause now I was like in a science as opposed to, you know, a social science. Uh-huh. So I think you can like shift identity like that. And, but what, one thing I wonder is what, if, what's the role of consequence? Like I have never smoked, but I imagine if I was trying to stop smoking, I would think, Hey, I want to live so I can see my grandchildren or something right. like that
1: it's it's huge. I mean and that's what's going to keep you going because if you don't attach to the consequence, you don't have you know it takes it's not just the initial excitement of changing something. You got to stay at it for a long time before it becomes a, a habit and before it comes on autopilot. So staying really attached to your why as I call it, you know, why are you doing it? And that why will call up emotion. And we are creatures who are motivated by emotion, not necessarily rational thought, if you're anything like me. So it is about getting that emotion in your body so that when that, you know, really tasty cigarette is in front of you, you don't go for it.
0: So what happened? So you identified as someone who is not a smoker. What happened next?
1: Then I threw away all my cigarettes. I I had to quit drinking for a while because that was really my main trigger. Um and i just i just had this wall up around any negotiation process for me those were the the main things and i also did it day by day you know that one day at a time thing it's it's real because if i'm like i am not going to smoke a cigarette for the rest of my life that's daunting but if you're just like just for today just for one day, I'm going to see if I cannot smoke a cigarette, and then you do it for one day and then you wake up the next morning and you do it for another day, and you chunk it down into manageable pieces so you don't have a full-on freak out about it.
0: I think that's really important what you're talking about with the the ease of of getting into the new habit. like if you if you just try to stop cold, it's just not going to work, I think, in general. and And how can you it's almost like you want to you want make if you're if you're practicing. Archery, you want to bring the target super close at first, and then you'll hit a bullseye every time. Yeah. So, can it work with with smoking? Where, okay, I'm just gonna have one cigarette a day, and then two weeks from now, I'm just I'm gonna have one cigarette every other day. Or, you know, how can how can you make all these uh, you know habit changing easy?
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody is different. For myself, I was such a glutton that it was if I had one drag, I was up to a pack and a half a day. <laughs> so, I think it also really is about being real about who you are and how you work best, so maybe tapering off is the best way to do it, or maybe using the patch or whatever other things they have works for some people for me going i 'm a very extreme person, I am very all in or all out, so I knew for me just cold turkey was going to work, but absolutely whatever gets you there, there's no right or wrong way
0: right and and you know you mentioned um you mentioned that when you are around alcohol, you have to to limit your alcohol because I guess, like, let's say you go to a bar, you have a drink, it's natural to take out a cigarette and start smoking. And so, uh, and you talk about boundaries and triggers throughout the book uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of changing badass, you know, changing so you could have badass habits. Uh And uh, the triggers is is a key thing. Like, you know, if I'm around a computer, I might look at social media. Or if I'm, yeah. you know, uh, with family, I might have some negative thoughts. And, and you talk a lot about, about boundaries. Mm. I think it's it's really hard though to change all these things, to, to kind of figure out what the triggers are and and then eliminate them.
1: You know what? It's harder not to because if you just let it slide and you don't sit down. I mean, and, and this stuff, it's so funny. Like we get into overwhelm so easy, like I have so many triggers, it's gonna be impossible. And then, or it's like that whole thing with email, where you're like, I have 10 trillion emails to answer, or I can't even answer one, so I'm just gonna go take a nap. When you actually-that's
0: me, that's yeah. what I do.
1: <laughs> I know, I've been watching you. So, but then when you actually sit down to do it, like the other day, this is totally embarrassing. I hate taking showers. Like, I just find it so inconvenient, and like, oh, I gotta take my clothes off and get wet, and I gotta dry off, and I have long hair, and And I was like, okay, I am going to time it so that I can stop being, I mean, and I do shower, by the way, people, but (laughs) I, I timed it just so I could get out of my own drama. And I was like, I can like be from sitting down here and done with the shower, everything taken care of in under 20 minutes. So it took my, it took the drama out of it for me. I don't know. But I just think quantifying what your overwhelm is is such an important thing to do because those 10 trillion emails that you have to answer, maybe it will take you 30 minutes. And that's not such a big damn deal, but we get so overwhelmed by vagueness. So the same thing would happen to, actually, I'm trying to remember what the hell the question was, but oh, with triggers. So when you take, I'm serious, like four to five minutes and sit down and be like, all right, so I'm going to quit smoking And what are my triggers? And just make a list, like specifics are the key to freedom. So you make a list of the specific triggers, the people you hang out with, who you smoke with, the, you know, the booze, the, you know, first thing in the morning, the, you know, whatever, when you get stressed out, figure out what your triggers are and figure out how you can avoid them. Or an excellent other tip is when that trigger happens, you you replace the action of smoking a cigarette with something healthy. So for me, it'd be like downing a glass of water. Every time I had the urge for a cigarette, I would drink a whole glass of water, which would occupy my mouth, which was great. And it's also very important to hydrate. So, so you can use them to your advantage too.
0: That's really interesting to, to find a replacement habit. Mm-hmm. That's very valuable. So you talk about fears, that often we have fears in terms of Changing your habits. Was there anything you were afraid of when you were stopping smoking? Like, what was you, were you afraid you wouldn't be able to hang out with your friends as much, or what? What was what was going through your head?
1: You know, with the smoking one, I was probably my biggest fear was that I would slip up and have to quit again. Because, believe me, I had quit a trillion times. You know, I quit. I quit all the time. <laughs> so, so, but I used that that fear actually was kind of helpful because I was like, it's such a pain in the ass to quit. It's such you have to just really gather all your strength. So I use that fear to my advantage. But I will say that for a lot of people, you know, there is no change without loss. And I think on a very subconscious level, I know it's one of the main reasons that people don't change their lives for the better because they are scared of losing old friends they're scared of shedding their old identity right talk about you know the unknown and the unfamiliar when you shift to your being you will lose people you will lose your identity you'll lose situations you'll you'll lose a sense of familiarity and you know the number one thing that scares the hell out of people is change which is hilarious because it's the pretty much the only constant we've got in this life of ours
0: but we are afraid of it. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's why we love our habits. Like our habits define us and they're shortcuts so that we don't have to change.
1: Exactly. But even the habits that suck, like that's why we stay in jobs we hate and relationships we hate and in bodies we hate that don't feel good. Like we'd rather stay the same instead of make positive changes because of that fear of the unknown and because of our love of the familiar. It's it, we see it all the time. I mean, it's extreme, extreme. You know, people stay in abusive relationships because it's familiar on some level. I mean, there's a lot of reasons.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. ok. let's we don't have to talk about abusive relationships, even like relationships that are just not right for you. You're not right in love with the person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be you're afraid you're not going to find someone. Like one thing I was always afraid of is that, I would get out of this relationship and the next day I would get hit by a truck and be paralyzed and then I would never meet anyone ever again.
1: <laughs>
0: that was my big fear. So don't leave and, the house. Yeah. Right. And I was afraid to disappoint someone else. Like that was mm. the final fear mm. there. So it's all these fears combined that are kind of unrelated to each other. How mm. do you how do you break these habits?
1: Well, you first of all, um, quantify the fear. So when you, you know, when you do the kind you know? Awareness is the key to freedom. So you become aware of what your specific fear is, right? So let's use your fear of what was it—getting hit by a bus the next yeah. day—and and and, and, and then okay, I'd be
0: paralyzed. And you're then I would paralyzed. Never meet okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very specific. Okay. Good. I love <laughs>
1: it. So so you look at the fear. I'm going to get hit by a bus and be paralyzed and never meet anybody. So is that true? First of all, do any paralyzed people? have loving, awesome relationships with other people. Yes. Right. So then you don't even know. Maybe because you become paralyzed, you will meet like this wonderful person that you never would have met had you not been paralyzed.
0: Yeah, no, it's really true. Like when mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've, I've been broke a bunch of times and I always assumed nobody would like me if I went broke, but I actually think overall, I became a better, more self-aware person from right. the experience of failure and going right. broke and so on. And so you're right, there, there's that. Then there's the fear of disappointing someone.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you get into a new relationship with somebody awesome and you totally, totally disappoint them, then what?
0: Uh, nothing. <laughs> Oh no! Okay, no. Okay. Then they, then they could no. They, I was always afraid they would talk poorly about me to people we know in common.
1: Okay, so they talk poorly about you to people that you know in common. Then what?
0: Then people will laugh about me behind my back. Okay, then what? I will lose friends okay. when because because the person might have been lying, and so I'll lose friends because they were lying. Then what? Uh, I'll have to make new friends, and and I'll be upset because I liked my old friends
1: who believe lies about you and don't actually ask you if it's true or not and give you the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yes. I am. Believe it or not, that's, this has happened. And I did get disappointed that my, my friends who are thought thaw, by my friends did not give me the benefit of the doubt.
1: Right. So, and do you have some new friends who do?
0: Yeah, but fewer.
1: Spell <laughs> <laughs> quality. not quantity. Who, who wants a bunch of people who are just going to, who are going to desert you like that.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's just hard. You get into the habit then of you get into the bad habit of not realizing that this is for the best. You you take the negative view instead of the positive view.
1: Listen in the moment, again, you don't have to be all Pollyanna in the moment. Like this is great that this woman has deserted me and is bad mouthing me to everybody I love. Like I don't expect people to go there immediately at all. And Every feeling that you have about that matters and is real and important. However, getting so mired in it and only focusing and believing that that's the only outcome is going to create that outcome. And you're going to stay in that space of only looking there as opposed to surrendering and then welcoming in other relationships that you probably would never have made had you not been set free from the ones that ended up not being that great for you.
0: So it seems like a lot of changing habits is really focusing on mindset, like this ability Mm -hmm. to, like you called it earlier, like almost change your identity or Mm -hmm. not like in a Superman, Clark Kent kind of way, but in a, or maybe it is in that kind of way, but more in a kind of just how you internally view yourself. And you, you know, you talk about this in in your other books too, particularly as regards, for instance, money. And you talk Mm -hmm. about that in this book, if you think to yourself all the time, I'm never, I'm not the type of person who can make money. I'm never going to make money as opposed to thinking I do deserve money and it's fun to make money and money is I'm free to make money. Uh, How does, how, how much of a difference does mindset make in a situation like that? Like, let's say I work just as hard Mm -hmm. regardless of the mindset, right? What's the importance of mindset?
1: It is everything. It literally is everything. Um, so I'm going to go on a bit of a long-winded explanation because it's so, so important. So, you know, that whole saying, you, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And that mm-hmm. is all about mindset. So two people can be doing the exact same thing, taking the same exact actions, but have two different mindsets. So, and I'll use myself an example. Like back in the day when I was living in a garage, totally broke, my mindset was, I'm not the kind of person who makes money. It's really hard to make money. I'll have to do things I hate. I'll lose all my moral, morals if I go after the young homely dollar, blah, blah, blah. And so my, my unconscious mantra was always, I can't afford it, right? You could say anything to me and my response nine times out of 10, would be like, well, that'd be great, but I can't afford it. So when I started doing this mindset work and you know, started to really change my wealth consciousness, as we call it, I noticed that my mantra was, I can't afford it. So one of the first things, actually the first thing in that 21-day thing um, that I have in Badass Habits is we work on rewriting your crappy mantra around whatever habit it is you're trying to change. So I rewrote, and there's a whole way to do it, and it's all around emotion and specific words. But so I took, I can't afford it, and changed it to, money flows to me easily and freely. Which, believe me, the bullshit monitor was going through the roof on that one because <laughs> I was still living in a garage, driving a car with no grill, like the whole thing. But freedom and ease when it, and flow, like those words when it came to money, were so out of my first mantra, And but they also excited me so much. I was like, yeah, ease. Like, I want some freaking ease around here. It's just such a drama every time I make a dollar. And so those words had real meaning to me. So even though I didn't 100% believe them, I was really psyched about them. So every time I wanted to say I can't afford it, I would force myself to say money flows to me easily and freely. And so it did a couple of things. It made me feel better. feels a lot better to say money flows easily and freely than I can't afford it, right? It's just, it's it's lighter. It's not as heavy. Um, And the other thing it did, which I think is so fascinating, and I write a lot about this in the book, is human beings love to be right. We love it more than almost anything. And I believe it's because we're on a ball in infinite space and we everything is uncertain. So we need to be right because we're, if we're not right, we're kind of freaking out because we have no rug under us, right? So this, it's a very primal thing that need to be right and sure about your environment and the way things are and to have some sense of security. So even when it's working against us, we hold, we white-knuckle this need to be right. Like, I can't make money. I'm living in a damn garage. Like, who do you think you are saying that it could happen for me? It obviously can't. I'm in my 40s. It's never going to happen, right? So I fought tooth and nail to be right about I can't afford it. So the power of shifting your mantra and your belief system to money flows me easily and freely is I'm no longer building a foundation of proof that I'm right, that I can't afford it. Now, because I'm still human and I still love to be right, I'm trying to build a foundation of truth around money flows to me easily and freely. So now I'm looking for proof of that. So even something as stupid as finding a dollar on the ground, money flows to me easily and freely. Uh, every time I would get a new job, like instead of being like, this this, is this, I'm never going to be able to survive just on this one freelance job that just came in, I would make myself be like, okay, see, it does. Money flows to me easily and freely. So it shifts your emotional state and it also shifts what you're looking for everything you need to change your life is already here but when you have the blinders on of being of of having the need to be right about the stuff that's not serving you and when you take off those blinders opportunities that you never would have gone for before suddenly become possible because money flows to me easily and freely
0: i think i think that's a key thing because it's sort of like the The Honda Civic rule. Like (laughs) if you buy a Honda Civic, suddenly you notice all the other Honda Civics on the road. Exactly. And and so if you suddenly have a positive mindset about money, all these opportunities that were there all the time, you start to notice and actually you start to develop the abilities to take advantage of those opportunities. So what happened with you specifically? Like Mm. you've obviously gone from the garage to more success. Like what happened along the way?
1: So one of the most, a a million things, but really the most profound thing that just blew it wide open for me was I was so over being broke that I was like, I am going to do whatever it takes, which means making myself very uncomfortable and going to these seminars that if any of my friends had saw me in, I never would live it down. You know, like with the name tag and the high-fiving and all that, whatever, that I was way too cool for that, by the way, totally changed my life. So I'm at one of these money-making seminars and I'm in my little rah-rah thing. And this coach gets up on stage and she's talking about how she helps women entrepreneurs make money. And just the way that she was talking, it, it was she was hitting every single thing that I was coming up against. And I was like, oh my God, this woman has designed this entire speech for me. I've got to hire her as my coach. And at the time I was making very little money and her fee for coaching was one third of my annual income. Oh gosh! And so I, and, and and this was way, this was like 15, I don't even know how 15 years ago, let's say, you know, life coaching now, I mean, and still, I don't even think you need any kind of certification. And back then it was super snake oil salesy and I was really snarky anyway, but I had this, intuition or this impulse is like, I need her help. And I, a third of my annual income, are you fucking kidding me? Like that was so impossible. Now, if my mantra had still been, I can't afford it, which would have, you know, come in real handy right then. um, I wouldn't have hired her, but because I was so obsessed with money flows to me easily and freely, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I put it on my credit card and I ended up um, and I literally threw up and then begged her to give me my money back. And thank God she was like, I will not give you your money back. And this may be the most important money you've ever spent. And then I did every single terrifying thing she told me to do. And I tripled my income in three months.
0: So a, what were some of the terrifying things she told you to do?
1: She told me to start an online, she told me to start an online business, which it's a very long story, but, um, I already sold, I'd already published a couple of books. And she's like, you could teach women entrepreneurs how to write and sell their nonfiction book proposals. And I, and, you know, I was in a rock band. I was really cool. And I was like, I'm going to be a cheesy ass online marketer. Who's like the book proposal lady. I was like, are you fucking like, this is not who I am. She's like, that's great. Would you rather be, would you rather be broken, cool or rich and cheesy right now? I was like rich and cheesy. So I did that, which was an identity shift for me that, you know, was extremely uncomfortable. And of course, I didn't have to stay in that exact space, but it did get me. I never would have written you are a badass if I hadn't done that. I can explain that. But
0: and 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 so 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 like, how did you get your first clients? Uh, you know, yeah. And were you afraid to ask for uh, totally. a certain price?
1: Oh my! And she made me ask for a price that was extremely way outside my comfort zone. And every time I taught the course, she made me double it. And every time I doubled it, I was like, these people are going to think I am the greediest la, 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 and nobody's going to be able to afford it. I'm going to lose all my clients. And she, it's like, you'll lose some and you'll gain some that are willing to pay that. And sure enough, I mean, it was, it was so, the whole thing was so uncomfortable. I mean, it, it was, but it, it, you have to do stuff that scares the hell out of you or else you're going to stay exactly where you are because you got there by doing the easy thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so what happened? So you got those first clients, like you, you you did you you advertise on Facebook or something, or you uh-huh. told people like, "Hey, I'll put your nonfiction book proposal together. I charge a thousand dollars or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Can you say what you charged?
1: The first class was like three hundred and fifty dollars. and then, and it was an eight week course. I coached them through writing theirs. But here's the thing. The reason she thought it would be such a good plan is because I was already, involved in this women's entrepreneurial network. So she's like, you already have access to all these women. So I would just, I used that as sort of my first, and I, I hustled my ass off. And I studied online marketing, which is incredibly, you know, people test down to the, like, if a capital T converts more sales than a lowercase t, you know, it's a science. So I got really schooled on online marketing. I did free Facebook calls. I learned lead generation. Like I got into this whole world that I knew nothing about. I was actually just talking to a friend this morning about how entrepreneurism is like, I don't know, 75% marketing and then 25% doing the actual job. You know, it's about marketing. Otherwise it's a hobby.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's so funny. I have this conversation with my business partner all the time most of our conversations are not about products or, you know, improving the product or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, we, we made the product. We assume it's good. And, but most of the conversation is about psychology, like our psychology, the psychology that people were dealing with and, which is essentially marketing. Like, yes. how do we talk to somebody to, you know, get a positive result? And you, you're right. And, and, and pe- people don't know that about entrepreneurship. They think mm-hmm. it's about, going out on your own, being iconoclastic and and different and, you know, providing, you know, of course you want to provide value. That's part of it, but you have to be able to sell. You have to be able to, to execute on selling something yeah. and, and finding demand. Finding demand for something is very difficult. So... So then okay so then what I'm always curious like what led to you are a badass because mm-hmm. this is you, this this is fundamental to ch- you change your habits from garage to <laughs> you're the badass woman and uh that was a huge game changer
1: yeah so um so this online marketing thing where i was going to be rich and cheesy instead of cool and broke you know and i i i studied it and i learned the capital T versus the lowercase T and all that stuff so so I think this is a really important thing for everybody to really think about. What you're, you're, The next right step isn't necessarily forever, right? So believe me, I did not want to be the book proposal lady. I did not, you know, the online marketing thing. But the most important thing for me was to get out of debt and to get out of financial struggle. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do what it takes. And it wasn't like I was becoming a ballerina. Like I was already a writer. I was already kind of coaching people. Like it wasn't so far out of my... Zone of what I was already doing and who I already identified as, but it was super fucking cheesy compared to, you know, the whole enchilada. But the good news is with online marketing, I had to write newsletters like three or four times a week. And I would write them in my voice, like I would write them the way I wrote. So I was taking something that I perceived to be pretty cheesy and writing it in my authentic writerly voice. And so when it came, when I, you know, and I was again reading every self help book under the sun because I was on a fucking journey to get, get this all figured out. And a lot of these books changed my life, such incredible authors and information, but as, but I'm a writer. So I kept being like, I can write this and I could make it 10 times funnier and much more engaging and much quicker to the point, man. Like I just, I am from New York and I'm really impatient. And I just want the damn information. Like just give it to me straight, tell me what I got to do and I'll go do it. So I made them also very um, to the point. And so that's sort of, that's how You Are a Badass came to be is I decided to write my own version of these self-help books. But I don't know if I ever would have done it if I already hadn't been doing this online marketing thing and taking something that was not, you know, my brand and making it my brand.
0: Uh, yeah, And I think this is a critical point, which is that you were in the garage or whatever. You, you weren't feeling good about yourself financially, but you started, started with mindset Then you started taking actions and I, I imagine the more you take action, the more you're believing the mindset, the more you're identifying as the person who who does this. And it's, it's kind of like this 1% a day type of thing where it starts to compound. Like if you do this every day, like then you started figuring, okay, well, I need to learn online marketing and I need to charge more. Then, then you started reading about online marketing. Then you started doing online marketing. Then you started getting clients and getting more confidence and suddenly you were a badass. Right and and then and you also had the confidence and ability to write the book and the confidence and the ability to sell the book just like you were helping other people do and that book has become a mega bestseller like it's one of the best selling self help books like ever I mean it's changed your life uh, uh, you know how to be a badass
1: it still absolutely stupefies me what's <laughs> happened with that book
0: like like what like and and I I know I want to talk more about badass habits but this is. Uh-huh totally related to it. Like what changed, what are, what are some of the amazing things that happened afterwards?
1: After you are a badass? Yeah. Well, first of all, it didn't, it it was a slow build. Like we didn't hit the New York times bestseller list until three years after it was published, which is super weird, but it's because that's unbelievable. I I never heard of that before. Yeah. And then it stayed on for four and a half years. It's still on it's, it's on and off still. So what, why do you think it took, what happened? What was the trigger like three years later? It was word of mouth. So no matter how much we promoted and did all the, you know, bells and whistles, it was a kind of book because, because I'll tell you, I believe timing is everything. I'm really proud of the book. I think it's a good book. And I nailed it timing wise, because now you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a self-help book with a bright cover and a curse word in the title, you know? Yeah, but yeah I was there, the there first was that one. trend. Yeah. So, but I just got there first. So it was the first one. And then also, I guess the voice and, you know, whatever, if it appealed to somebody, they would go out and buy 10 copies and give it to their friends. And then that friend, if they liked it. So the, my, my community just spread it like wildfire. And it took a while because, you know, over time, more and more people kept passing it along. But I call it the yellow snowball because it just kept growing and growing and growing. So that, that's how it happened.
0: Well, that, that's really exciting. So, and now you, and and obviously, it led to other badass books, uh, including this badass habits. And and you've also did you are a badass at making money. And uh, I'm trying to think where the you are where, a
1: badass every day was the little guy.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget we did a podcast. I think on the making money one. Yes, and, that was a fun uh, one. <laughs> yeah, but mindset really is critical because there's mindset and there's ease. I feel like the, the ease part is a really important point like if you put your vitamins by the sink where you i don't know wash your hands every morning you're more likely to take the vitamins you know that that sort of thing so what are some what are some other ways to to create ease in these mm-hmm. habits like let, let's say I also want to uh, i mean again some of these habits are harder than others like if I want to get into the habit of i don't know uh, What's like a simple habit to, that people change? I want to get the habit of of reading every morning. That's mm-hmm. one kind of habit. But if I want to get into the habit of thinking that I'm capable of making a lot of money, that's a kind of a complicated mm-hmm. mindset and habit change, I think. And, you, you know, what are ways
1: to make that, that mindset change easy? Okay, well, first of all, how hard is it, like, mindset it's just a thought, and it's just words, and it's just creating a deep groove, right? So when you really think about the effort involved, it's not necessarily physical, which I tend to find much more difficult. Um, yeah. You know? So it's it's really not. And I remember back in the day, like, when I was, like, reading all these books about change, you know, think positive thoughts, and no, no, no. I was like, come on. Like, it can't be that easy. I could not have, like, been spending – 40, 40 years of my life being completely broken scraping by if it really is all about mindset it almost pissed me off like and i do think we make things harder cuz we need the drama or we feel like it's more mysterious or whatever but it is so epically about mindset i'm not saying you don't have to do stuff you can't just sit around you know meditating and stuff is going to appear magically but it really 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 starts with that i mean we've all done it like think about you know if you're riding a bike up a hill There is a point where you suddenly are like, fuck it. And you get off and start walking, right? And there's also a point where you're like, I'm just just gonna make it to the top. I'm just gonna do these like 20 more yards. And especially if you're riding alongside somebody else, if they're just a little bit ahead of you, you'll push yourself harder, right? What does push yourself mean? It's a mindset. It literally is just like pushing your mind past the place where you normally give up. So it's all about mindset. Your mindset informs the actions you take. So, okay, so to answer your question. So I'm changing my mindset about money. Um, the steps I take is I start reading wealth consciousness books, you know, Think and Grow Rich, You're a Badass at Making Money. Um, uh, the, c- the Science of Getting Rich was the one that really worked for me. There is There Are No Lack. I love that one, by the way, Wallace Waddles. Wallace Waddles. Oh, my God, the Waddles, right? I loved that book, and it was really short.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's short. And, and, again, it's one of those things where, like, should I really be st- – Doing what he suggests, does this work? But it can't What hurt. do you have to lose?
1: What the <laughs> yeah, hell the do whole, you have to lose? Yeah.
0: That's the that's the whole idea, is that it's I'll probably at least be happier, even if I don't make money <laughs> if I take his approach.
1: So. It's interesting. What do you have to seriously? What is the big whoop do? So, so you know, reading the books. That's not hard. Like and having that book by your bed, knowing which book you are reading, and you are reading for 10 minutes every single morning or whatever you're like getting it on the schedule and doing it. And then, you know, for me, music was so huge, still is. Like I, my mood can change in an instant depending on what I'm listening to. So I did, you know, I was talking about how I put a moratorium on listening to Neil Young, even though I love Neil, but he makes me so depressed. So when I had to like have energy to go do stuff that was challenging, I would make myself listen to Led Zeppelin or I don't know what the hell it was, but something that pumped me up more. So that's real, going out in nature and walking around being physical gets my energy going Can get me out of being depressed to feeling motivated um certain people i get off the phone with certain people i feel like i can't do anything or i feel like i can flip over a buick you know but but the thing is is getting specific so if you're changing your your wealth consciousness you've got to surround yourself with people who have a really healthy attitude about money who go out and make it and don't have shame about it and don't think all rich people suck and you know you got to surround yourself with people who are either where you, you want to be or past where you want to be. It, other people are epic. And and I know like the big thing is, well, I don't know anybody like that. You know, water does seek its own level and we do hang out with people who are in our zone, who make us familiar. So when you change your identity, you know, the, the, without a doubt, every single time I get a talk, um, I get asked this question every time. And people are always like, what do you do when the people closest to you don't support your growth? and the reason it comes up every time is because a it's really upsetting when you when you feel yeah. like you're fracturing these you know lifelong relationships and b it happens every single time you change yourself every single time you are going to lose somebody because you're basically killing off your old identity and these people um and you know people hate it when you kill the people they love basically um and you're changing and that's not okay and so that's obviously going to change a relationship and also you're holding a mirror up to them being like, you know, listen, if I can do it you can do it because we're in the same place. They don't and like to hear that. They don't like to hear that. People hate unsolicited advice. So that is why when you go to lose weight or you decide you're going to get married or you decide you're going to get rich or you're going to quit your steady job and, you know, do whatever the hell you want to do, when you shift who you're being, um the people closest to you are upset because they're the ones to stand to lose the most, right? Meanwhile, the guy down the street's like, go you, and your partner or your mother or your friends are making fun of you, or they're filling you with all these reasons why it's not going to work, or they're, they're dragging you down. You know, I certainly got made fun of by so many of my friends. Are you kidding me? Like when I decided I was going to make money, it was, you know, I definitely lost friends over it. And I definitely gained new friends that are in, you know, that hold me up to a certain standard. And a lot of my old friends were supportive, but not all of them.
0: And so, so what does it mean you lost friends? Like, did suddenly people specifically say, I hate you or they just stopped talking to you? Like what mm-hmm. happened? And were, were yeah. you upset? Like, how'd you deal with it?
1: I got dumped by a couple of people um, who, you know, one in particular who I'd been friends with for like 20 years, who was really close to me, just never, never spoke to me again and never really explained why. But I, so I'm assuming that's what it was, but I, I can't I can't imagine it was anything else. I don't know, but I'm assuming that was it. I got made fun of a lot, especially my family's pretty snarky. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, you know, miss money bags or whatever, I, I still, you know. But I'm getting the last laugh. It's like, okay, you can make fun of me, but I'm, I'm going to Italy for lunch, have fun, you know? So.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, one, thing, one thing I learned is that you can never ask why. Why is this person doing this? Because you're never going to find out the correct answer and there might not be an answer. They might not know the well, answer. Well, you
1: can. I mean, and certainly if if it's a friend or, you know, a person in your life that's really worth it, it can bring you closer and I can, you know, you can confront them and be like, you know, I've noticed that this is making you really uncomfortable and I love you and I'd like to talk this out and I'd like to hear why. And then, you know, maybe it's going to get better. Maybe it's going to get worse. But if it's a relationship worth keeping, it's worth having an uncomfortable conversation about.
0: You know, I also like this idea of you talk a lot about non-negotiations, like you don't want to negotiate with yourself. So like, oh, I'll have this one cigarette, but I'll run an extra lap in the morning, you know, so it's sort of like you have to have everything kind of figured out in advance of how you're going to change a habit. That's an important part of the process. Because yes. you also talk about rewarding yourself. Yes. So you're allowed to reward yourself, but it seems like you should figure out those rewards in advance as opposed to negotiating every day about it.
1: Yes, because it takes time, you know. To like if you if you know what your this is all part of the ease thing. If you know what your roadblocks are, like if you know that booze is going to trip you up, if you know that if you're trying to write a book and your kids coming barreling in, like getting somebody to take care of your kids for the time you're writing, like, or if you know that social media is going to distract you, turn off the internet, get a babysitter. Like there are things you can do. You do not need to be a victim of your environment if you plan ahead. And again, planning ahead, five minutes of your time, like. Think about it. What is going to throw you off course, and then, and then set yourself up for success. It's not that hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be not that hard, or or it could be. That's we the, go. that's that's the problem. Is that you know because it's it it like you say it's it's not easy. Like it takes time. Like how long mm-hmm. do you think it takes on average? To like like let's say you know, you talk about identifying yourself as the type of person who could do, who could make money or who could do X or could learn languages, or let's say I want to be better at playing basketball. Can I really think of myself? Oh, I'm like, I'm identifying myself as a semi pro basketball player. Like I love this idea of like changing my mindset and identifying myself as someone who's already succeeded at what I'm trying to succeed at. And what's, what's a good way to think about that? Like, what's the limit of that?
1: You know what I think is a really good way is, is loosen in your bone, Wilma. Like, just having fun with it, being like, I'm a pro basketball player. Like, it, it just makes I mean, I talk also about, like, just seeing what you can get away with. It doesn't need to be such a big drama. We make such drama out of stuff. And it's like, well, it's not true. I I've actually never made a basket in my whole life, so how can I perceive myself as this person? Who cares? Act like a little kid, like – play with it a little bit, have some damn fun. You know, this life is very fleeting. So pretend you are what you want to be and sort of play act and it'll open you up to all the ways that you haven't seen before that can help you actually get to where you want to go.
0: I agree with that. Like, I think for me, my my worst moments, surrender was very important. Mm. Giving myself small challenges along the way, kind of Experimenting with what's possible along the way, and looking at what the worst case scenario, like you just did with the losing friends thing or the the breaking up relationships thing. What is the actual worst case scenario? Usually, it's not as bad as people think. Right. Like it. Like I think people think the worst case scenario is death or some sort of disappearance. Uh huh. And uh, it, it that's usually not the worst case scenario. Now, what are do you? You have so many great stories in the book. Like, what are some? What do you? what are some situations where somebody really had a hard time changing a habit and what was the habit and what did they end up doing?
1: Mm. Oh gosh. This is like when somebody asks me to tell a joke, I it's like I've never told a joke or where should we eat? I've never eaten out. <laughs> really? You don't eat out? No, I'm kidding. But it's like, oh. <laughs> I, I can never think of a restaurant. Like it's like, I've never eaten in a restaurant before because my mind yeah. goes completely blank. Um, you know, I'll tell you, just as a in general, it it can take time, and it can happen overnight. That's something I I just want to say. Like, no matter how difficult it is, like my my journey with making money from being broke took time, um, but it can also happen overnight. I mean, it's what they call in the self-help world is a quantum leap. Like it doesn't necessarily need to take forever, but sometimes it does. So I think that you just have to be game to do whatever it takes and to have patience and let it take as long as it takes. But I will tell you right now, I'm I'm totally avoiding your question because I can't think of a specific habit, but the fastest way to change your life, no matter what the hell you're doing, is to do stuff that scares the shit out of you every single day. If you do something that scares the shit out of you, that's in the direction of the thing you wanna change every day, you will get there so much faster than if you don't. If you- yeah like,
0: yeah, like what what scares the shit out of you? Like what's something you do that scares the shit out of you?
1: Huh, okay. I'm asking that
0: question again. They okay, tell me okay, joke question. okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so, okay, so right now I'm single. And going up and talking to men who I find attractive scares the hell out of me sometimes, especially if he's really that,
0: hot. That is scary.
1: Yeah. So make, I call it the stranger a day program. And I make myself talk to a stranger a day and not just like my waiter. It has to be somebody I approach. I remember <laughs> reading in the
0: book you could have as a, an objective. Uh, you want to flirt more, flirt with some one person a day. Yes. And, you know, start easy. You know, and sometimes that even requires a mindset. Like, I remember talking to somebody who had met the Dalai Lama and Mm -hmm. I asked her, what was that like? It was like uh, he was looking at me the way a mother might look at their daughter. So I tried this thing where everybody I saw on the street, I was trying to picture them as if they were my daughter, whether they were male or female, I tried Mm -hmm. to picture them as if they were my daughter and how I would feel. And it made me automatically smile at people, and uh, mm. think kindly about people. Usually, I see people in the street, and I my instinct is to not like them. Uh-huh. And <laughs> uh, but but it kind of it kind of changed that yeah. for me. So again, it really is important mindset. But then using it in practice, like it's one thing to say, yes. "Oh, I'm the type of person who can scare do something scary every day." But then you really have to do something scary every day. Mm-hmm. And that's good too because then you get stories about it. Like and it's it's fun conversation. Oh, I did this today.
1: Yeah, and even if you fail and you're rejected and they're like, get out of my face, you, whatever, like, at least you did it. Like, you've got that and you're getting there and you've got the adrenaline rush and you're and you're making changes. Like, really, man, I feel like the, the, you know, to bring it back around to this pandemic, it's made me realize how short life is and how, even though I feel like everything's at a standstill sometimes, it's also flying by so fast. And why not just see what you can get away with? Why not just, you know... If you have something that you're really excited about or that you really, truly desire, why not just see if you can get away with selling a painting for $100,000 or, you know, becoming a pro basketball player or what the hell, who cares?
0: You know, you you have this great quote in the last chapter, which is uh, called the audacity to be yourself. Mm. And the quote is, forming good habits isn't about being perfect. It's about being more of who you are. Mm. And that's such an important quote, particularly the second part. It's It's about being more of who you are. But sometimes when someone says, oh, James, just be yourself. or you're going to give this talk, just be yourself. Mm. What does it mean though, to to Mm, be myself?
1: mm. I think it, well, first of all, it's about desire. And I think it's really about, it sounds so fucking cheesy, but like following your heart. Like, What is it that you want to talk about that's important? What is it that you think you can connect with the people in front of you on that will light all of you up? You know, it really is about unhooking from what's expected of you or what you think you can do to get people to like you and really coming from a place of joy. That's who you are.
0: Yeah, you know, and this is really important. I mean, this is important in every aspect of life, but it's really important in writing. Like mm. I, had, I had to write something for uh, a publication that I had never written before recently. And I wrote my usual thing and I'm like, oh, they're never going to go for this. This isn't what's in their magazine at all. This is my usual, like overly revealing, emotional <laughs> kind of stuff. I just said, well, okay, but this is what people usually like with me. So I'm going to stick with it. And it does work to be yourself, as corny as that sounds.
1: And they, pr- and they loved it.
0: They loved it, and if they hadn't, then it wasn't the right fit for me anyway.
1: Exactly, exactly, the end.
0: Yeah, and so, so, but I I do find that during this pandemic, I have gotten a little bit more negative about Mm. outcomes for myself, Mm. and I really need to switch mindsets. I I got more of the attitude like, that won't work out, Mm. as opposed to like, oh, things usually, I always think of myself as like super lucky, and i i kind of lost that magic a little bit
1: interesting uh,
0: yeah and I, and I don't know what it was from it just it, it happened about halfway through i mean it's a combination yeah. of things but um um this is a habit i need to stop
1: well it's really oppressive like this side are we're so spoiled with all of our freedoms and we can do whatever we want and it's the first time in my life certainly that i've really been prohibited from doing things that i totally took for granted so that's a bit of a spanking and, you know, whatever. So I think the thing is, is to get again into specifics for yourself. Like, why do I think that's not going to work out? And then, okay. So then that, you know, pairing it, peeling the onion back as it were, the way that we were doing with your fears. Like, okay. So then what? So then what? So then what? Is that true? Is that true? Is that true?
0: Right. You
1: know, and I do think for everybody, this is a time of really mastering patience. We have to wait longer for stuff right now. It's not, it may, it, it still could happen overnight, but I think it's about patience and just leaning back and appreciating the silver lining of things going slower because there is a ton of stuff that I never would have noticed that I never would have experienced if I hadn't been blocked from, from running a million miles an hour like I usually do. It's been really educational and challenging and lovely.
0: Jensen Sincero, Badass Habits. When
1: does this book come out? It's out now in hardcover and paperback December 7th. And how's it going so far? Amazingly well. I am just, you know, I'm so proud of everybody for buying it because it means people are sort of like, okay, bitch, pandemic, I'm going to get my act together in spite of you. So it's doing really well, and I'm so grateful to everybody who's been following and buying and working on themselves to make themselves and the world a better place.
0: And what are you going to do the next book on?
1: I am not sure, and I am going to do a little bit more speaking, I think, is my plan.
0: Are there speaking gigs happening now? I'm
1: writing a performance that I will do when the pandemic lightens up a bit.
0: Oh, that's neat. What kind of performance?
1: I honestly don't know yet but i've realized that i'd rather reach more people than crank out more books right now i mean i i will write more but right now i'm like okay i've got this awesome stack of books it's still helping people so why don't i get out there and sort of talk and also i miss humans man i want to i want to see some humans
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i want to sit in a robe in a room by myself and crank out another book right now i really want to get out in the world
0: see my problem is the pandemic lifestyle was perfect for me <laughs> i like sitting in a robe in a room and never leaving. And now people are like, hey, you should go out more. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Not yet. It's, it's not safe yet. I but know. Jen, thanks once again for coming on the podcast. Badass habits. I, re- I really enjoyed it. And it got me thinking about my own negative habit. There's always negative habits to change. There's always And there's always drift. Like you could have positive habits for a long time and then drift. And yeah. you have to remind yourself of that that, uh, as you put it, remember where you are. Remember remember to remember. Exactly. And it's something I have to do frequently. But yeah. uh, thank you for writing this book and for coming on the podcast. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me on. It is always such a treat to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks.